Yo, yo, what's good, YouTube? So, I thought of a story I could tell you guys. Back, it was around like 2005, I was 16 years old. And uh, it relates to this clip because <clears throat> in that scene, Sonny pulls C out the car and saves him from getting killed. You know what I mean? Because those dudes were going to bond, uh, Molotov cocktail, the restaurant, or the deli or whatever. And C was on his way there. And I, I've been in situ plenty of situations just like that, where you're in the car and you know something's going to go wrong. But you don't want to be that, you know, that guy who's going to be like, yo, let me out. Because you didn't want to seem like you were scared or you were a little punk. So you would just bite your tongue and ride it out and see what's the worst that could happen. And in most cases, something bad can happen and will. So... The story I'm talking about, right, when I was 16, we had this one guy. Like, my whole uh, team, we could call my crew of friends, were all, they all sold drugs. So, naturally, product of my environment, it being around, I took a liking to doing that. It was good money, quick money, fast money, and you barely had to do anything for it. And we were the kids who didn't grow up with a lot of money, but we're in middle-class suburbia, Long Island, you know, Suffolk County. So we're surrounded by tons of kids with money. Families got a ton of money. We're, we're all living check-to-check -check type families, you know. Parents moved from out the city, Queens, Brooklyn, moved to the island for a better life or whatever. But, you know, shit happens. So this one particular day, right, there was this kid, Billy, we'll call him Billy the Rat, because we still to this day believe this dude set us up. So what happened is there was this this guy. He knew this connect name. We called him, we'll call him Fanny Pack. And this guy sold everything. He was a crackhead, but he would also forge prescriptions from his doctor. So he had like, we'd go meet up with him to pick up, but we always had to go through the kid Billy because Billy knew the connect. We didn't. He lived in these apartments, Hillcrest and Holbrook. So the first few times we went through this kid, my boy Mark mainly, take everyone's money, go with Billy, meet dude. Boom. We did that a few times. But when they would go meet him, this guy would have this fanny pack on. And inside his fanny pack that he always kept on him, he had... Everything. When I say everything, I mean everything. He had Oxycontin 80s. You know what I mean? The big scripts. He had fentanyl lollipops, 1,600 micrograms. Comes 50 in a box. He had Narcos. He had weed pills called Marinol, these little orange balls that were THC. Um, You know, he had Percocets. He had every, every drug you could think of, right? Prescription pills all types of things. So, you know, he was walking around with that in a fanny pack. So to us, naturally, this guy was a walking lick, right? Everyone was like, from day one, like, yo, this guy had a fanny pack full of drugs on him. And he's like an older dude. He's a lot older than us, right? I'm 16. My brother's 18. Our neighbor and, like, best friend considered another brother, Samson, lived on the corner, he was 21, five years older than me. Our boy Mark, who lived right around the block, was 
three years older than me, so he was 19. Uh, my boy Sal was there. He's only like six months older than me, so he's like 16, 17. So they get the idea to like, all right, tonight's the night. We're going to go and we're going to rob this dude's fanny pack. So my brother's in. Mark is in. Billy's driving. There's room for one more. It's me, my boy Sal, and Samson. I want to go. My brother says, no, he's not letting me go on this trip. My boy Sal's fighting with them like, I want to go. I want in on this. I want in on this. Because if you ain't in on it, you ain't going to get the same cut like everyone else. So, but my boy Samson was older than everyone. He's like, yo, Sal, you're not going. You're waiting here. So, boom. Samson, Ryan, Mark, Billy. They take off in the Jeep. They drive to Holbrook. It's like 15-minute drive. They get over there. And... Dude comes out, fanny pack on, all the drugs, right? They walk up on him. The one kid walks up first to make it seem like it's a regular deal. And then my brother, the other two, Mark and Samson, jumped out from the behind, like, the bushes in this building. Boom, jump out on him in the middle of the thing. Dude's like, ah, gets all shook. My brother, like, they told him to give you the fanny pack. He wouldn't do it. My brother pulls out a knife. <sighs> Yo. You know what I mean? Checks him like, give me that or I'm going to cut you. The guy didn't want to let go of the fanny pack. So, Mark grabbed him and he slams the dude down. And the dude starts screaming for his mom. This is like a 45-year-old man. But he's a crackhead. He's like skinny. He doesn't have, you know what I mean? He ain't in no position to fight. So, he gets slammed, yoked. You know, they start stomping him, kicked him, punched him. Ripped the bag out of his hands finally. And then they all start running. And they all jump in the truck with the fanny pack. Except Mark. Mark's like, uh, last second, like, I don't want to get in the car. And he had picked up, like, uh, three boxes of the fentanyl lollipops. 1,600 milligrams. So it was 150 lollipops in those three boxes. He had those and he stuffed them in his cargo pants pockets and shit. And he's like, I ain't getting in the car. So he's like, oh, he tried telling my brother and Samson, like, yo, just run. Let's run. And they were like, no, no, we got to get out of here. So Mark takes off on foot. Boom. Books it through the parking lot. Starts going this way. They said they turned out that parking lot. And they start They get like, I don't know, a mile down the road. And they hear the sirens and they see the lights. And they said, yo, it was way too quick. There's no way the cops would be on it that quick. So, but when they heard that and seen the lights from a distance, boom, my brother threw the bag out the car into the woods, the fanny pack. So now they don't even have that shit on them. So the cops come up, pull them over. They're asking them, where's the bag? Where's the bag? Where's the bag? They're like, nah, no bag, no bag. They're denying everything, whatever. Um, They pull the kid Billy aside. They walk over to the woods, right where they threw the bag. They pull the bag out the woods. Boom. They arrest Ryan. They arrest Samson. They arrest Billy. All charged robbery one in the first, you know what I mean, um, a violent. Because they pulled out the knife, made it like a violent felony, assault, whatever, all that. Robbery one. So they all catch a felony for this. They believe Billy set it up from the jump because of how quick the cops were there. We don't know how true that is, but he also snitched where the the fanny pack was when he should have just shut up. You know what I mean? People don't know. 
if you if you're new in crime, people don't know to just keep your mouth shut and don't say nothing. But he was scared to death because he wasn't really like that, like the way my friends were and we were. He was different. He was like a little bit straight edge kid who was trying to get in, you know what I mean? But he wasn't like that. So as soon as he was under pressure, he folded. Told him everything gets them all locked up. Mark, he winds up like, you know, taking all these back roads home, jumping in the back of trucks, under cars, hiding from cars, thinking the cops coming and all this. So the cops pressured everyone there because when they searched the truck, they found his ID, you know. But there was fishing poles in the car, so they said they were fishing earlier or something like that, and he dropped his ID in there. Nobody in that car dined out Mark, not even the kid Billy. But no one said he was there. He was actually on probation or parole at the time. So he, you know, he lucked the fuck out and he got away with this shit. The other three, nah, they all caught robberies, whatever. We don't know what happened to Billy because after that day he was dead. But my brother and Samson wind up, you know, uh, copping out to it. And they both end up on felony probation. It's called like task, task felony probation. So now while they're, you know, they're on this shit. And mind you, my brother lives here. Samson lives one, two, three houses down on the corner. And they're co-defendants. But like really quickly after that all happened, my brother starts, you know, he's on felony probation, but he's still just a crazy dude. Like you'd have to know my brother to understand this. But he was just out of his mind, you know what I mean? Crazy, didn't care about nothing, wild, like, ready to fight all the time. And he liked to drink. And when he drinks, he would either be cool as fuck or he's going to get violent as fuck. And you don't know which Ryan you're going to get. But he was wilding out at the time. So much so that my mother even uh, called his, his probation officer and told them, like, yo, listen, my son's wiling out he's gonna end up dead or killing somebody and getting a real serious charge he needs help he needs to stop drinking right so boom you know it wasn't just drinking there was a lot of coke involved there was e-pills a lot of weed there was vicodins and shit like everything at that time shrooms you know what i mean we would do everything so boom uh, my, his task officer comes like one of the next few days, they take him in, but he gets mandated to a year in this program called Phoenix House. It's a TC, Therapeutic Community. If you don't know about that, therapeutic communities are horrible, bro. Worst places you could go. Like they got you scrubbing shit with toothbrushes. They got you sweeping the shadow on the sidewalk from the sun. Till it goes away. Don't make you do that all day. Don't make you dig your grave with a spoon. You know what I mean? To like try to teach you like this is going to be where you end up and shit. Like real crazy methods of trying to help people. Basically, they break you down to the bottom to try to rebuild you back up. But it's all run by ex-addicts and criminals. So like, you know, it's not 100% successful. And he does, he has to do his year in Phoenix House. So while he's in there, though, I'm working now at Sears Hardware. I start working there. Like a few months into that, me and my mother and sister had moved. We moved into a new house while my brother was away. 
Um, so while he's doing that, I get a job at Sears Hardware with my boy. And I wake up to go to work one day. And my mom comes in. She's like, yo, listen. The There was a lot of cops and ambulances at, at Chris Sampson's house this morning. She's like, it doesn't look good. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, he's gone. And it hit me so hard in my stomach. Like, oh, I fell to my knees, yo, crying. I was sick, sick over it. Samson is like our brother. He, I consider him a brother for real. And he, um, she said he passed away. I said, so I was, um, at that time, I was selling Vicodins. I was selling everything. But I had Vicodin at that time, a lot of it. So I go to go to work to tell my boy Chris that I work with because he lives, Samson lives on the corner. You walk around this way to this block and make a right. Chris is the first house right here, our other boy, another family, he's family. And uh, so I go in and I got to tell him. So when I get to work, I pull him aside him and he could see I'm already crying. Tears come down my eyes, man. I couldn't hold it back. And I'm like, yo, Samson's, Samson's gone. He started breaks down, cries. Our manager comes out, tells us go in the break room. Like she she heard everything. She's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. You guys could go, go talk over there. So we go in the break room. And we're trying to figure out, like, I wonder what it is. How'd he pass? How'd he pass? Because, you know, we see him almost every day, you know. I meet up with him all the time. He buys weed off me and shit like that. And I'm like, yo, I'm sick about this, right? So we called one of our other friends to find out what happened, whatever he tells us to come by. So we get his portion of the story. He was actually with, he was with uh, Samson that night that he passed the night before. He says uh, he got like 20s annex bars off this other kid we know. And he drank like 20 beers. So mind you, this is three months in to him being on felony probation where he had to be fully clean. It was like drug tests multiple times a week. There was no getting high. But after three months, he finally got to a phase where like they cut back. So he was able to do something. And like this kid was a fucking genius. And he was ahead of his time with computers and shit. Like we weren't on that. He had the alien computers where he'd be building his own shit. He had the, the programs to download music for us. So all the sick new like rap music that came out from 2000 and up, we got it all from Samson, man. All that shit. He put me on to all the music I know, style of dressing. Like he was wearing $300 jeans back then. Like I think back on this shit, I'm like, damn, he was ahead of his time. The kid was like a genius, bro. So he knew everything also about drugs. He did all his research. I guess he was on the computer. And he knew, like, half-lives with, with Xanax and pills. And, like, he knew all this weird, crazy, how to mix things to get higher and shit. Like, he was just an evil genius, man. But he, uh, he, so that night he found out, okay, boom, he got 20 bars. He drank a bunch of beers with these kids. By the end of the night, they said he was so drunk that they just, they drove him home. And our friends had to carry him. They, like, got, you know, carried him into his house and, I guess, left him right there. Like, he went to the kitchen floor to fall asleep. Like, he was passed out drunk. And they left. 
And when his parents found him the next morning, they said he was like blue and he was curled up in a fetal position and he just wasn't breathing. It was it. And then later on, we find out from his brother, his brother's like, yeah, I was on Suboxone and one of them was missing. So he stole one of my Suboxones. So for somebody who doesn't do opiates and was clean, especially for three months, if you took an eight milligram Suboxone, you're going to get whacked just off that alone. It's going to be like you did a bundle of heroin. Then you mix in taking, and there was no drugs found on them or nothing. So them bars, he must have took them all. And then add the beers on top of that. That's enough to stop you from breathing. That's it. That was it for him. That was his thing. Like, he was done. And, you know, my brother was still in the program. And he was sick to death. Like, he couldn't, um... That shit hurt him real bad. Because that was his best friend, too. Like, this kid knew us since we were in diapers, you know? He's five years older than me, three years older than my brother. And that was the first friend we ever lost like that. Like, our real good friend. And, um... Getting back to when I told my friend Gluck, because this, I'm trying to show you guys how one decision affected not only his life, but like a bunch of other people's lives with it, mine included. Because, you know, I took that shit so hard. It hurt so bad. I had a pocket full of Vicodins. So the first thing I did was I just, I remember taking a handful of Vic 750s, 7.5 milligrams. Gave my friend Gluck a handful. He ate a handful. And that's how I coped with the first death that really hit me hard. And I think from that day forward, you know, my brother wasn't around. I felt like I was lost and alone at the time. So I turned to drugs to help me cope. And I overdid it. And I went crazy while my brother was gone. By the time he came home, I was... uh. I believe if I wasn't doing sniffing heroin at that point, I was uh, sniffing Oxycontins at least and right about to get into heroin. You know what I mean? I believe I was. By the time he got home, I was on H. And that really fucked him up too. When he seen me like that, it really hurt him, bro. Because he couldn't do nothing. He spent his whole, you know, our childhood protecting me and keeping me from getting hurt and doing dumb like... He made me do a lot of dumb shit, but that was only him that could do that. He made sure I couldn't get touched in any other way. And he was my best friend, too, you know? And now both of these kids, my brother and my other brother, Samson, are both dead. Rest in peace. Samson, rest in peace, Ryan. And um, so that just goes to show you, right? When they got in that car, nobody knew the outcome was going to be. We thought... You were going to pull up, it was going to go smooth, snatch that bag, everyone get back in the car, get home, everyone's safe, no one gets caught. But that goes to show you one decision, because it was going to be either me, Sal, or Samson in that car, right? But Samson was older, and he had, you know what I mean, seniority, so he was going. And he was like, yo, fuck you, Sal, I'm going. And if he didn't go... Would he be here today? You know what I'm saying? Because he would have never got put on task probation. He never would have had to stay clean for such a long time that when he finally 
decided to get high, maybe his body would have been able to handle it better. You know what I mean? And had he not died, maybe I wouldn't have started taking a bunch of pills to cope with it. You know what I mean? Because my brother was gone too because of them both getting in the car. It's just a lot of different things spiral out from that one person decided to get in them cars. You know what I mean? So that really like reminds me a lot of this Bronx Tale scene with with C when Sonny's like, get out the car. Cause look what happens. They pull up, they start throwing Molotovs and shooting at these people. And then they go to leave, like everything's all good. And what happens? The dude from the store takes the Molotov. Lands in the car, lights the rest of them on fire. Car goes up in flames. Boom! All of them are dead. C would have been in that car, he would have been dead too. You know what I mean? Um. So yeah, that's it. That's my story for you guys. Just a quick little rundown. And the moral of the story is really think about what you're doing before you decide to just want to fit in. You know what I mean? It's okay to be like, yo, uh, I'm not in for this ride. I'm not going to do this. Like, don't be afraid to speak up for yourself because you're worried about how you're going to get judged. Because my school used to say this to us every morning. I remember it's like the choices you make today shape your world tomorrow. And that's a valuable lesson to know, man. You got to be extra careful especially if you're hanging around people that you know are like crazy, they're about that life, they're willing to do crazy things to get ahead in life, you got to be weary, especially like these people are really close to me, there was no escaping, like, you know what I mean, I'm a part of it even if I'm not a part of it because of how close the people are to me, this is my family, all these people, to this day I still talk to my boy Mark, almost every week at least, you know, I still visit him every time I go to New York. He comes here and visits me all the time. Like, that's my brother. Um, Samson was my brother. My brother, you know, was my fucking brother. And it's just crazy. I don't know. That scene made me think of that. So, um, you know what I mean? The saddest thing in life is wasted talent. And the choices you make today could shape your world tomorrow. So, just remember, keep that in mind before... You decide to go just getting in people's cars, not knowing exactly what's about to go down. Because anything can happen. And now, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. I'm out two brothers. So, it's just fucked up. But, that's what I got for you guys, alright? I hope you enjoyed that one. I'll be back on again soon and give you something else special. Alright? Everybody, one.